Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Jonas Rin, CEO of Nomono, a podcast technology company that's raised $15 million in funding. Jonas, thanks for chatting with me today. Hi, Brett. Nice to be here as well. Yeah. So let's begin with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Right. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, probably can read the most of the LinkedIn profile, but I have around 20 years of experience from the tech industry. I'm born Swedish, living in Norway, and been kind of heavily focusing on product design over the years, and then moved on to different uh, responsibility roles. Now, for the last year, being co-founder and CEO in different startups. I'm a big fan of tech, but mostly a fan of tech in terms of solving some true problems for the end user. And can you provide a high-level overview of what the tech ecosystem is like today in Norway? Today is really good. Being Swedish in Norway, there's a difference there. In Sweden, pretty big on uh, B2C, business to consumer. Uh, Norway, on the other hand, is very good on B2B, business to business solutions. And especially in the tech space, there's a lot of research going on in Norway. And uh, through my experience being here for many years now, Norway is very heavy on singular processing and everything around it. So you can see my resume, but you can see other companies coming built out of Norway. If they're not inside ocean gas or prop tech, they are usually into audio and video, which is related to signal processing. So there's a lot of skills uh, on that side here. Amazing. And two questions we'd like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick as an entrepreneur and as an executive. Is there a specific CEO that you admire the most? And if so, who is it? And what have you learned from studying them? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to bore you with a classic answer. It's got to be Steve Jobs uh, following for many years. I mean, being almost an old guy now, close to 46 years and old, I've been kind of growing up with with computers and following how computers evolved, how computers combine with user experience evolved. I mean, over the years, having been also a Mac user very early on, it's uh, pretty hard not to kind of be inspired by Steve Jobs. And as, I mean, I still use a lot of his uh, old keynotes as inspiration for building companies, but also importantly, the storytelling part, which is well-needed competence when you're a founder of of Startup as well. Yeah, I was writing an article the other day about category creation, and I ended up watching his keynote Mm -hmm. when he announced the iPad. And it was just so incredible to watch. He's such a master. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. And what about books? Uh, You can't say the Steve Jobs book here, so we have to go outside of that. But is there a specific book that's had a major impact on you as a founder? This can be business or it could just be a personal book that's really influenced how you view the world. Uh, Yeah, I got to bring it kind of way back in time when I was uh, doing university studies and and kind of studied to industrial product design. And there was a book called The Design of Everyday Things. That book really kind of helped to capture and put words on the frustration I felt over the years of you know, things not working as you proceed, or we talk about the human error. So in that book, you get a lot of good tips and references to how to design things for everyday use, which is something I continue using today as the main focus on bringing value to the end user, to the customer. So, yeah. Amazing. I'll have to check that one out. Now let's switch gears here a bit and let's talk about the origin story behind Nomono and a high-level overview of what the company does. Yeah. 
So the origin of the story is like we've been building Nimona now for four years. It started out that a former colleague of mine that I hired back in the days in Tanberg for university uh, called Aldun. And he was like, for my 20 years, he's like a top five in the world on microphone and microphone array technology. Mm-hmm. So um, he's been researching in a research institution called Sintef in Norway for almost three years on how to capture spatial audio. That means capture audio in the way we hear it. So getting to true life kind of audio experience. And he foresees some macro trends in terms of XR, so VR and AR and 360 video. At the time, though, when he started researching, there was no boom around it. And when we started the company four years ago, we didn't have iPhone and AirPods with spatial audio compatibility. There was also no set standard either. But at least in a starting point, we foresee this is it has to take off at a certain time. So we, together with another co-founder, Sigurd Sauer, uh, who's very heavy and experienced in software, we got going almost four years ago with Nemono. And it started a bit differently to the other companies I built. So we started with uh, some deep tech and patterns around that deep tech and kind of looked into where to bring the most value. And uh, not to make this uh, story very long, but we found out that one thing is spatial audio, but the starting point, where we saw the most value for the technology was in just kind of general audio capture, the whole workflow there. Uh, because we realized that hasn't happened much over maybe the last 20 years, where in other technology industry like the smartphones and even in video and footage, uh, there's a lot of development, especially on making things smart. So we kind of envision a way of doing smart microphones. So not only capturing audio in different frequency channels, uh, but we also use technology was to capture metadata. And that's something we kind of used to at the time with video and photo. For audio, that's still something that hasn't been kind of really developed. And now fast forward four years, uh, you have those backbones, you have spatial audio being deployed on your iPhones and your iPads, even Samsung and the Androids are coming. I think it was a note just the other day that Google now also going to release true spatial on, on their Android devices as well. So, I mean, we're pretty happy to kind of see that the thinking we had four years ago is starting to play out. And on top of that, we're looking at the fastest growing audio format and the way of consuming audio, and that is uh, podcast. And in podcasts, we at least see the value is even more important for spatial audio because you don't have any video content or anything else distracting you or giving you an experience. So with spatial audio, you can really immerse yourself into the story being told in a podcast. So we think at least that's really where spatial audio has a powerful impact, uh, especially most podcasts are today being listened through headphones. So you're already kind of inside people's head, and that gives a really good immersion with spatial audio and using the Monos capture technology as well. And could you define for us in simple terms what spatial audio is and how it works? Yeah, so it's in simple terms, uh, spatial audio is a way to replicate audio the way we hear it in real life. And compared to, I think most people are used to Dolby surround or surround audio. You get the audio from a 360. Uh, think of it as a <laughs> as a pancake, and it's mm-hmm. kind of around you. Uh, but with spatial, you kind of get the audio more like a glow, like a square. So you you get audio in height as well, not only around you. And that for us humans, us Homo sapiens, kind of enlightens us to have a better audio experience. Because if you think of it today, I think all the audio you listen to uh, is still not kind of as impactful, immersive as hearing audio in 
in real life, you know, walking in the forest, hearing the birds or dog barking. And it's really hard to capture that. So that's the thing with the mono. We have sold that. And we have sold as the first company in the world. And we have also sold it with just one push of a button. And I think that goes back to the, the book I mentioned for you, Designing Everyday Things. So that goes back to the thinking to have very advanced technology, but you have to make it so easy to use to get the adoption rate, but also to get our humans not scared about using this technology. So but we could probably elaborate a little bit more on, on the thinking around that as well. And how do you describe the company then? Are you a hardware microphone? Is it a hardware microphone and software company? Or you know, how do you think about that? Yeah, I wouldn't put us in this classic box of being a hardware or a software company. It's, it's kind of comparable to Apple. You know, Is that a hardware company, a software company? Because they have also different revenue streams and different experience on, on the service. So I see us more like we take on a workflow. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, and whatever we need to solve that workflow, it could be hardware, it can software. So, and also keep in mind, we started the company trying to avoid developing our own hardware because we have a lot of experience in doing that. We know the cost and the risk around it. But the challenge for us, we didn't find any, what we define as smart microphones. So we didn't find any solutions out there that were able to capture the metadata and the positioning of the audio that we wanted to be able to use our AI and do the spatial. So we were kind of pushing ourselves into taking the risk and taking the bet on developing our own hardware to be able. And now we see that is also our biggest advantage because there are different solutions today that you can use to enhance your audio. There are some, not so many, but there are a few solutions where you can probably collaborate around your media as well. But there is no solution that you can just, by a push of one button, capture spatial audio. Because if you take a look on the web and search in it, you almost need a truck with gear, cables, uh, receivers, uh, storage kits, and also people to set it up to be able to capture special order. So I think we have what we have done is pretty awesome. And it's kind of visual comparable as well. I used to take this kind of old picture of like when you grew up, how the hi-fi equipment looked in your room, the speakers and the cables, and you have all this rack uh, with receivers and CDs and what have you. And plus you have your all your vinyl or CD this. And now you potentially have this Sonos speaker that is so easy to set up. You know, grandma can do it and you have an app and you have some streaming service where you have infinitive amount of music to it. I usually use that as a kind of a, a hook in the beginning of telling the story around the moon as well. So we just bring up a photo, what you need equipment today uh, to capture spatial audio. And that's also the reason I think why not so many people do it because it's so hard and nobody has solved it. But on the consumer side, the big players are pushing for spatial audio. And mostly it's music and, and video for now. But the big, big, big <laughs> bottleneck for getting a big adoption of spatial audio is the solution we have. So that's the capturing part of, of the spatial audio. And that's, we think, so motivating and thrilling with the moment that we kind of have sold it. So now for us, it's the growth just to get our solution out in the hands on a global scale as fast as possible to you know, get people aware that there is an easy way to get this special audio capture to do your dull buttons, for example. And is it targeting podcasts that are only done in person and interviews that are only done in person? Because I'm guessing you need to have everyone around the microphone or is it something that, you know, we could use, you know, in an interview like this if I had this microphone? That's a good question. So we can, we can, shouldn't read too much about our roadmap, but 
we started first with solving the complexity of the people in the room and the factors you have around that. That's the first step we do with our first product. But you got to keep in mind also, it's we talk about order to the cloud here. So our device is synced to the cloud. So it's kind of automatically buffering the files. And in the cloud, you have all opportunities, potentially, if we want to, in the future, also invite people. So we haven't decided on it yet. You know, we are taking our first product into the market now, this year. So we'll see what the feedback is. And back to your question there, see what the feedback is back from our consumers and customers on what do they need next. But you're into something there. We see that there's this opportunity with having a built-in streaming or recording in our solution as well. So absolutely. But there's other things as well. You know, if I have a, a Nomono Sound capsule and you have one as well, it's pretty cool scenarios you can do with that over the cloud. We have developed these very small, high-quality microphones. They are consisting of four of those in a sound capsule. But you can also foresee that they can also be sold as standalone microphones, but still being connected to the Mono solution. So, yeah, there's a lot of thinking we have around that as well. Because we see, as you mentioned, this is, of course, a big trend there that you not only have the chance to meet people face-to-face, that you also have to do like we do today with this podcast. You, know, you meet over internet, so to say, and uh, do a stream. Yeah, you know, one other thought that just came to mind that we do a lot. So we manage about 30 different podcasts for ourselves and for clients. And with basically all clients, we have them go to conferences and do recordings there at the actual event and at the conference. And the audio setup is always super difficult. It's always a hassle. And that, you know, honestly, always sounds like crap <laughs> whenever we try to do those. So yeah. I think that's probably a big part of the market too, is, you know, the podcasts that go on the road needing an easy kit that they can just bring with them and maintain that quality that they have at home. Yeah. And that's something, if you look on the pre-order list we have today, and we're looking to kind of who are the customers early on pre-ordering this. And this is kind of before you have any reviews from The Verge and New York Times. And, you know, when we reach out to those pre-orders and kind of start to dig into kind of what is the big interest, and I think you're touching on it there. This is, this is a kit here that's standardized. It's easy to use. Anybody can use it. So, we have one of those agencies, they're going to have like, uh, I think it's around 10 of these sound capsules on a shelf. So depending on who is going to run out on some customer event, trade shows, they can just grab one of these, run out into the field and just press record and off you go. And you capture them high quality. We define also as broadcast audio and to ready to publish. And the cool thing is also as it's connected to the cloud. You don't have to think about where to store the file or where are the files because you have a central place where you can go in and find the files after you have done your recording as well. And there in the cloud, in the mono, you can choose how much enhancement you want to do. As of today, we have 12 different enhancements we do to the audio. So reducing noise and it's uh, cross-talk reduction, uh, denoising and, and what have you as well. So, And that's really powerful. Uh, so back to you also, we have someone who can also plan to rent these out. So they are kind of building a business of having several these kits and then you know, a single podcaster might not be able to afford our first product. He or she can just rent it and run out in the field and it's easy to use. So absolutely. Yeah, that's something I was going to ask you because I've had some other founders on here who are building venture-backed podcast technology companies. And one of the issues they've said is that right now, you know, there are a lot of podcasts, but the vast majority of them have no money. Um, you know, they, they just don't have money to spend and they're not generating a lot of revenue from the podcast specifically. So is there a specific segment of the market that you're going to focus on where you know they are generating revenue from the podcast? Or what's your approach there in terms of navigating the market? 
Yeah, that's a very good point. And that's also why we kind of entering the professional market in the podcast industry first. And also that we're also releasing our most high-end product first as well with the price point we have. And, you know, we see at least there's a, there's a ton of those people and users and customers in the field we're targeting. And being everything from marketing agencies, you also have marketing departments in the, in the bigger companies, and you have large media houses. But they're also, I mean, as we define professionals, we define professionals as the one who make money of creating media or creating content. So they have this availability to pay. And also they have been probably doing some podcasts for some time. So they are also very <laughs> used to the pain, similar to what you mentioned when you go into a trade show or you go into the field, how complicated it is. Although you are very skilled and experienced and you have potentially the latest equipment, it's mm-hmm. still a hassle. And, and as you know, you go out into the field and there's so many factors you don't have control over. So when you come back and listen to all the file, you have no chance to kind of go back and change it. And that also bit into the, the value of the mono that you have an opportunity to kind of, after the fact, adjust the audio, the placement of the people, the placement of the audio. Do you want to have the background ambient or do you want to kind of decrease it a little bit or do you want to make it sound like you're in a studio? And that, these are the kind of things you can do afterwards. And I think that's what we see, at least with our earlier pre-order customers, that's really, really powerful. So back to one, yeah, professionals for us define as the one who has been doing this for a while, but they can easily do the mathematics calculation here as well. So one thing is, you know, you save time, you save the stress level, but also in terms of you save money instead of being able to maybe rent a studio or using time or money with different applications. And, you know... I just want to add that you also see an improvement in the quality of the dialogue, especially when you interview people, because you can be in an environment where they are more relaxed. And our technology or product is so easy to use. And the thing here is also it kind of fades away when you start using it. And we have noticed that on interview and the dialogue of the people that you get the kind of more relaxed and natural dialogue going on. Maybe compared to like you and me sitting here, right? you know, it's much better to have you in the same room but also not have a big membrane microphone hiding your face while we're talking as well. So I think that's some other value. And back again, though, we see a very good interest there for buying the product in that segment. However, though, the big majority of podcasting today are people who have some interesting story to tell and ideas. They might not be that experienced in technology or podcasting or audio for that matter. And also they're very low budget. So for those people today, we have our Nomono Cloud, which is free to use. So you can use whatever microphone you have today. You will not get spatial audio, but you will be able to at least upload your files to our cloud and use the, our, our 12 enhancement AIs. And, you know, with this podcast we're doing today, we could kind of, well, you can just sign up there yourself and, and upload this uh, and kind of play around for free. And I think that's a pretty good help to the ones who are getting started with podcasts or have low to budget. At least they will get some really good improvements on the audio quality just using our our cloud solution makes sense and i'm guessing yeah. that's also a great lead gen process for you where you bring them into the nimono ecosystem get them familiar with your products and then when they are ready to upgrade to the expensive microphone they're you know well, <laughs> do that because they trust you i agree and i would call it microphone that we developed expensive we call it cheap because of the quality you get from it and you know we did comparable you know if you're gonna buy like four high quality love microphones and you're gonna by a storage device and also we have a ambisonic built into our main cube there so to say 
and some batteries. You need to summarize that you're getting a very close to our price or even a, above. And then you have, of course, as we kind of pitch it, you also have to take into account to to set these things up for every recording location and, and, and etc. But of course, we are all aware of that as of today, there's not many podcasters who are recording in spatial. And the reason for that, I think, is because of the complexity and also that we early on on the spatial. And that will be interesting for us to see as well. We see that some of the pilot customers, they are uh, the spatial part is more important for the ambient audio round uh, versus having the people in different locations when you're interviewing. But you can also, I mean, it's so easy to kind of downgrade from from spatial to binaural to surround to stereo uh, in our solution as well. Makes sense. And in terms of the price point, is it 3000 Is that correct? That's what I saw on a TechCrunch article. Exactly. Yeah. $3,000 is the, uh, is the price for the sound capsule. Yeah, it really doesn't seem that expensive. You know, just looking at my own setup that we have for our podcast, estimating probably a 2K. So I don't know if I yeah. agree with the headline of uh, ear-wateringly expensive microphone. It doesn't seem like it's some crazy, crazy premium product here, premium price point. I mean, that goes back to what we see from our pre-orders as well, the customers we have there. As I mentioned, we kind of find this product a bit too good to be true for that price point because they know what they have already invested in equipment and they also know the hassle they have had over the years being not in the studio. And the cool thing with our solution is that you can also kind of, you can make kind of any room or any meeting room to be a studio because you don't have to think about room reverb or echo and what have you. So it's becoming very powerful from that perspective as well. We have a few pilot customers that had all the equipment, that had the studios, have been doing kind of podcasts for more than 10 years and have very good business doing that. They saw a pretty big drop of using the existing equipment now with having the, the monosome capsule. And for them, it's the ease of use and the technology high. So sometimes they're still in the studio and they still have the old membrane microphones and cables, but they rather use our product because as they notice on the, the people, they, the guests, they are more comfortable sitting in the sofa in the studio with our microphones than sitting in the chairs at the table with this kind of common big uh, podcast uh, membrane microphones. Yeah, and I encourage everyone listening to go over to the Nomono website and check it out because this thing looks cool. You guys did a very good job. I can see the inspiration from Steve Jobs. It's a, it's a very cool looking product. Thank you very much. And in terms of traction and adoption, I know you said you're at the pre-order phase right now. Are there any numbers that you can share that just demonstrate the, the traction that you're seeing? I'm not going to read the pre-orders numbers right now, but I'm happy to talk about the people that we have on the waiting list. And those are the people who are the first in place to get a pre-order made from us. So we're kind of moving controlled into the market. So we haven't given all the people on the waiting list an opportunity yet to do a pre-order. So we kind of do it in batches. And that's for us also to get closer to the customers and also learn who they are to be able to address it correctly. But as of today, we have over 21,000 people on the waiting list. So um, for us, that's a pretty huge number, at least for the first very complex product. And that's also from what we can kind of state that so far an unknown brand in, from Norway. Uh, hopefully in, in three years from now, we will probably be more known. So we're pretty happy and proud with, with that traction of having so many potential eager customers on the waiting list waiting for getting their opportunity to pre-order. And then we'll, of course, as you know, it's a classic. You will see how, how uh, the conversion rate is but I think it's a pretty good starting point. And that's also before anybody have been able to review it in the press, in the big press as well. And that's the next step for us to get some units in the hands of the big press so they can uh, write some review. 
uh, product. And it's a dream position for you to be in, I'm guessing, too, right? Because the journalists that you want to review the product are also the journalists that would potentially be buying the product or their, their bosses or the media company would be buying the product. So yeah, it's a very smart product that you know, gets in the hands of journalists and those journalists, I'm sure, are going to love the product and then they'll write about it. Yeah, and then within the Mundo Cloud, they have this kind of Trojan horse because for any at least physical face-to-face interview or podcast or meeting I had uh, with the Sound Capsule, I also have the easy way of kind of just sending them a link by mail after that session where they can just click in and they kind of just jump straight into the monocloud and the file that just was recorded a few seconds ago. So that is also kind of a good way of getting people into the pneumonia experience of things. So yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, I have to be honest, I love to be in this podcast and in the media industry. There are so many talented people and they are so passionate. So there's a lot of energy in those meetings. And when you come with something like we have into those meetings, so it's so awesome to kind of get the, the feedback and energy that we are hit the nerve or something about reducing complexity, taking away the monotone and boring work. I mean, there are a few of the, I'm not sure how much time you spend, but there are applications you can use, but at least we have a few of the pilot customers that do a 30 minute podcast per week and they have a studio. So they meet people live there, but they usually spend like two to three hours for each of these episodes to kind of fix the audio. So with our solution plus the cloud, we save so much time and pain for them. And that's really, it's really awesome to be in the pneumonia side of being able to help uh, podcasters with that in in an easy way. Yeah, I can imagine. And I feel like it's such a sweet spot too, right? Podcasting is just booming now. I'm a big podcast listener and I have been for five or six years now. And every week I feel like I find a new podcast uh, now it's at the point where it's difficult for me to you know, listen to all of the podcasts that I want to out there. I have to go from longer and longer runs to, uh, to find the time to listen to them. But there's so much <laughs> good content out there these days. And that's a cool thing with, uh, I mean, the metadata that you add now to the podcast is kind of written in terms of, you know, who was the host, who was the guest, who was, who was the topic. And then you have some other uh, transcribing solutions that transcribe the, the, the spoken word into text so you can make it more kind of searchable. And then you have us as the another step into nitty gritty in terms of the method that we capture. So the thinking here, hopefully pretty soon in terms of searchability for podcast, hopefully it will be, at least our thinking, it will hopefully be closed like you do with your Google search tool, but for podcasting. So potentially next time you're in Amazon, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you have more accuracy when you search for some certain topics or words being mentioned in podcast or even location for that matter that's something that's really surprised me about the podcasting space is just how awful the discovery is and the, and the search is it's so yeah. bad it is it's really bad and also i mean you have the rss feed and what have you but i still kind of miss a lot of notifications about you know new exciting podcasts and certain topics that might be of my interest or how stupid this streaming service is in knowing about me and my needs to try to you know, show me some new episodes and podcasts. But for now, it's a way big difference there compared to other tools in terms of hitting the nerve of potentially what I might be interested in. And I think the, on the music level, it's a different level, especially I'm a big fan of Spotify, uh, but also a big fan of uh, the feature of Discover Weekly, where every week they provide you with certain songs that you, you know, they think will match your like of music. And they also add some extra that might be outside your kind of interest or scope of music. And, you know, for me now, I think that's one of my biggest inspiration of the new music I listen to is what I get every Monday from Spotify on Discovery Weekly. 
it would be awesome to get the similar things on podcast episodes. Yeah, absolutely agree. I feel like as a Swede, you probably have to love Spotify, right? That's your uh, your hometown company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you watched the TV show about Spotify or the founding of Spotify? I have it on my, what you call it, my watch list. But uh, being a co-founder in, in a rapid growing company at the moment, I unfortunately haven't had time yet to have a look. But yeah, it's on my list. It's on my nice. list. Yeah, I just finished it. It's, you know, obviously in, in Swedish, so I had to use the subtitles, but yeah. it was uh, it was still pretty good. It took okay. me like minutes of watching it to realize that it was. Uh, I was like, "Why are their mouths moving so funny?" And then it uh, <laughs> then it makes it. <laughs> awesome, cool. Yeah. Now, the last couple of questions here. I know we're up on time. So, bringing an innovative product to market, you know, especially a hardware product, is not easy to do. So, what would you say has been the greatest challenge you've had to overcome so far, and how'd you overcome it? <laughs> a, I mean, that's a good timing for that question, being kind of through building a company for four years. And during those four years, you had a pandemic. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, as I mentioned, I've been 20 years in tech. I think the biggest challenge I ever experienced was kind of experience over the four years, especially with the pandemic. And on so many new things happening, and especially, as you mentioned, hardware. And I think everybody knows about, you know, the component crisis and increasing components. So, I mean, all the calculations you did in the beginning of what you know the build and material cost of the product, the margin levels, the price points, and everything that you kind of pitch the company for investors, all these kind of <laughs> changed during the pandemic. And the cool thing for us was though that we was not kind of only doing a hardware product. The cool thing for us, we also have the Nemo Cloud. So there was a time there when we had a kind of serious discussion with our board about you know if we're not available to get a hold of components. Because at the time, the big players were sourcing and buying all the components, raising the prices. And you know, we had small players suddenly started to come to realize that we might not get a hold of the components we need. So how can we secure as a company that will still have a value going forward? I mean, if the worst would happen. And for us, that was continuing in parallel, uh, investing even more money in the company and resources to also then build more on the Nomono Cloud solution. So at least we have some, honestly, that's been really challenging, but, you know, it's been very learning. So I think if you look back on it, I would say it's kind of an exclusive experience to have, to be able to go through that and survive as a company and also be able to bring value out of something that's been so, so challenging. So yes, we probably have spent more money in the company than planned. But on the other hand, we now have a hardware product running and we also have invested in the multi-cloud. So uh, if it wasn't for the pandemic, potentially we would have invest so much in the cloud solution as we have today. So that's at least the flip side of that uh, experience. <laughs> I saw that, you know, I've seen that with a lot of companies that I've spoken to, and you know, even with our own company, where COVID you know presented some challenges, but it also did create you know some good if you had the right mindset as you were navigating it. I think a lot of good did come from the pandemic overall. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and it's a fantastic learning to be through that. Honestly, hopefully we never have to face it again. But uh, in case there's ever another pandemic, we're uh, we're all ready to go at least. Yeah, that's for sure. So it's been good training. <laughs> yep. All right. Last question here for you. So let's zoom out into the future. What would you say is the three-year vision for the company? We foresee that any spoken audio being recorded has been touched with some parts of the Nomono AI we've been training for many years. So we're now. In the professional field, high-end product, uh, targeting podcasting, uh, targeting you know spoken and verbal, 
but there's so many other applications for the AI we have been building uh, that it can also be used on many other products that will be used for talking or recording. So that's the aim for us to be in, in the future, three years from now. Amazing. I love it. Well, unfortunately, we are up on time, so we're going to have to wrap here. Before we do, if people want to follow along with your journey as you continue to build, and if they want to maybe join that pre-order list, where's the best place for them to go? The best place to go is the Nomono's homepage, and then it's nomono.co. Amazing. Jonas, thank you so much for taking the time to chat and talk about what you're building. This is all super exciting. I can definitely see the market need here and really wish you the best of luck in executing on this vision. Thanks, Brett, and thanks for having me. It's been a great time. Yeah, no problem. Keep in touch.